are burning carbon questions. This week, we talk with the Deputy Treasurer of the City of Edmonton about our carbon budget. We'll learn about what carbon budgeting is, where we're at, and what's coming next. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speak Municipally, episode 185. Today, we're going to be talking to the deputy treasurer of the city of Edmonton. And Mac, when I saw his title, having seen Hamilton last week and liked it so much that I'm going again next week, Mm -hmm. uh, all I can think of is how does this bastard orphan at the city of Edmonton get to this position? (laughs) He didn't throw away his shot. But that interview, you're going to have to wait for it. Here's the rapid fire segment. With more than 150 millimeters of rain so far this month, Edmonton is on track to have one of the wettest Junes on record. With more than half of the month being wet days, Edmontonians are taking notice. We spoke with a political scientist from McEwen University, idling in his F-150 during his smoke break to keep dry, and he told us, quote, Vancouver has a lot of bike lanes, and it rains constantly there. And then there's East Hastings. So I'm not saying that our liberal mayor is intentionally controlling the weather, but if you look at his actions and the outcomes... I think the result is pretty clear. The UCP has suffered from low-quality candidates and unelectability in Edmonton. However, this week it was revealed that John D. from Ward 3, friend of the podcast, is considering running for the UCP. Just as conservatism seeks to preserve the status quo, so too does John D. aim to preserve the UCP's candidate quality and electability in Edmonton. Councillor Michael Jans has apologized for retweeting a tweet that referred to police as, quote, pigs. The Papasteo councillor said on a Facebook Live, quote, I really porked up and I need to save my bacon. While I use Twitter like a trough, I need to be better at separating the truffle from the slop. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and this episode is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than there are hours in a day, you're calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime, any device. This makes it both easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Well, last summer in the lead up to the municipal election, Taproot did a feature on the carbon budget, which is a new tool that the city of Edmonton is bringing forward to help it meet its climate emissions and reductions targets. And with the new four-year budget approaching this fall, we thought it would be a good idea to follow up on that story and see where we're at on the implementation of the carbon budget. And so joining us today to help us do just that is Harmokit Rai, who is the Deputy City Treasurer and Branch Manager of Financial Services at the City of Edmonton. Welcome to the podcast, Harm. Thanks for having me. I wonder maybe if you could start just for the listener who maybe hasn't read about this yet with a brief overview introduction to what exactly a carbon budget is. Just in terms of some context, so the city of Edmonton is transitioning to a a low carbon future to improve our our city for today's citizens and future generations. So the city is committing to make transformational impacts to achieve our priority of environment and climate resilience. So one of these actions being the adoption and implementation of uh, carbon budgeting and accounting. So the simplest way to explain a, a carbon budget is it's very similar to a, a financial budget, uh, but you're measuring your GHG, your greenhouse gas emission impacts over the next 30 years. So it's setting it's setting targets and budgets for your GHG emissions um, and then measuring your progress uh, towards those targets and emissions based on the investment decisions the city of Edmonton is making in terms of its operating and capital budgets. 
So last year, I think you had described it as something like a bathtub filling up with with water. Maybe expand on that idea a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely one way to uh, one way to look at it. So if you if you look at the carbon budget we have over the next thirty years. Uh, up until the end of 2050, which is the year we we're trying to be carbon neutral by, you're going to have a certain amount of GHG emissions that you're allowed uh, to emit. So you can consider that your your bathtub. And so that's around 135 megatons of GHG emissions. So you want to stay within that within that that, that bucket of GHG emissions and you and you and you don't want to go beyond that. So that's that's kind of your bathtub. And that's public and private emissions. So emissions that the city of Edmonton itself produces, but all or emits, but also, you know, all of us residents and businesses in, in the city. That's correct. This is the these are community targets we're we're talking about when we're talking about the 135 megatons. So it's the it's the city of Edmonton, the corporation, as well as the Edmonton, the community. Harm, I'm wondering about where the carbon budget idea came from. I think you know Edmonton is the first in North America, if I'm not mistaken, to implement this. But presumably, the idea originated elsewhere. How did Edmonton go down this journey to developing a carbon budget? So carbon accounting in itself, it's, it's not a new concept. There's many companies around the world and many European governments, actually, particularly in Sweden, that have been producing carbon accounting. Um, and so that's essentially just accounting for your GHG emissions. Carbon budget, on the other hand, is a, is a bit different in terms of you're setting yourself targets and, uh, and tracking your progress towards those targets. So city of Oslo in Norway was one of the first municipalities on the globe to actually to do this. When city council approved uh, the energy transition strategy, we made a commitment to be carbon neutral for the community by 2050. Um, and then for the city of Edmonton, the actual corporation by 2040. And as a part of that, the inclusion of a carbon budget within our financial budget was something that council wanted us to commit to and produce. And so that's how the city of Edmonton um, came upon carbon budgeting. Um, and you're, you're correct. We are one of the first municipalities in Canada and possibly even in North America that are moving towards a carbon budget. Uh, so we're definitely one of the first ones out of the gate. There are other municipalities in Canada that are starting to look at this and, uh, and starting to kind of explore this area as well. But yeah, definitely one of the first, uh, first cities in Canada that are, are, are moving uh, towards a carbon budget for their 23 to 26 budget development process. I'm hearing you say that, you know, we want to be net zero in the community by 2050 and in the corporation by 2040. I think back to the public and private tree bylaw that city council was just debating, and we cannot quite as much as we'd like control private citizen behavior. I could totally tomorrow open all my windows, turn my furnace up to 35 and also crank up the AC and just put us over our carbon budget all on my own in my own house. What is the city doing to ensure that as much as the city is making gains, private citizens aren't using up that entire bathtub. And it's, it's, a, it's a very good point. And I think that's one of the challenges uh, as, as a city we're definitely going to face with, uh, with our meeting our, our carbon budgets and our targets. So just for some context, so the city of Edmonton, the actual corporation, only uh, contributes around 2.5% towards our overall community targets. So a very small portion that we can actually impact through our direct investments. So um, a lot of it is catalyst investments that we might need to consider to encourage community uptake and to achieve those targets as well. Early estimates that we've kind of shared in our greenhouse, uh, in our energy transition strategy, sorry, is around $42 billion of public and private investment over the next 30 years. So that's averaging about $1.4 billion annually. 
So if you take that 1.4 billion annually, between the three orders of government, you're looking around a $300 million investment a year. And then so the city of Edmonton's investment of that would be around $100 million annually. So you could even break that down even a bit further. Of that $100 million, around $75 million uh, could go towards annually for capital infrastructure, including things like electrification of our bus fleet, deep uh, facility retrofits, or some of our district energy systems, uh, active transportation uh, network. And then, you know, another $25 million could go towards things like catalyst investments during to encourage that community uptake that, that you're referencing. But you're correct. The the direct impact that the city can make towards these community targets is is limited. We have not, in this budget process of carbon budgeting, we've not actually set aside that money quite yet. We don't have $100 million per year on the books to deal with climate change quite yet. Is that correct? That's a correct statement. So we are considering for our 23 to 26 budget. So when we bring that forward later this fall, um, our 23 to 26 operating and our capital budgets. We will be bringing forward for council's consideration investments um, in that kind of order of magnitude for their deliberation and for, and for their consideration. So it's going to be it's going to have to be a discussion with council in terms of how much they want to invest in uh, in to achieve the objectives of this uh, priority. But right now there are things that we are doing towards achieving our GHG emissions. Um, so there's stuff that's already doing, but um, there will be a lot more we'll have to discuss as a part of the budget deliberations in terms of investments to achieve these targets. So you mentioned, um, you know, this $100 million of investment, things that council is going to have to consider at budget time. But of course, it's not just that investment, right, that is going to have an impact on our carbon budget and the amount of emissions that we have. There's every single project that council looks at across the board. So, you know, we're council nerds. We pay attention pretty closely. We read all the reports so that the listeners don't have to. How is this going to work? Like, how are city councillors going to understand the carbon impact of a given project that they might be deciding? You know, so let's say there's a, a road project or, or a facility like a rec center or something that they're considering building. You know, is there going to be a section of the report that includes the amount of emissions that go along with it and the impact on the budget? Or how, how do they make sense of those two things? Yeah, that's a very good question. And details that we're still figuring out on our side in terms of how to integrate this with our normal financial budgeting process. But I can explain it to you at a, at, at a high level. The, the concept here is to integrate the carbon budget with our financial budget so they're seamless and as a part of the same decision-making process. So when we bring forward our 23 to 26 budget uh, later this fall, what, what you're going to see in there is you're, you're going to see the, the financial needs, uh, the financial requests, um, and integrated with that, you're going to see what our carbon targets and our carbon budget is. For each one of the investment decisions that is brought forward for council's consideration, so whether that be a capital project or any type of operating service that we want to enhance or modify. With that, you will see what the GHG impact of that investment is. Of that, if, So if it's a capital project, you'll see uh, what the GHG impact of that specific capital project is. And then if council chooses to approve that, what impact that would have on achieving our carbon targets. So it's very similar to what you would see on the financial budget side. With every single decision on the operating budget and the capital budget, we'll be showing what the GHG impact of that of that decision is and how that helps us achieve our targets. How in-depth are we going onto the GHG impacts? Like, for example, something like Terwilliger Drive, a surface level analysis could reveal, you know, this is the carbon impact of the actual asphalt and the construction trucks required to build it. But are we doing full cost accounting for 
the induced demand of the additional traffic flow, the emissions from those cars, maybe the differential between public transport and those cars driving on the road. How sort of in-depth and how far into the future is this accounting planned to go? In terms of the, the the detail that we're getting into in terms of GHG emissions, now that there's a whole field and a science and a lot of engineering and assumptions that, that go behind that, uh, so I'm not I'm not able to speak to all of those details. But what what I can tell you is that when you build an asset, there's a before construction phase, so the uh, all the work that it takes uh, to construct that asset, and then once that asset is put into service, so our carbon accounting tool right now. It's capturing all the GHG impacts that would take place after an asset is put into service. So it's not yet capturing everything before that. So as, as the example we provided, all the all the trucks and the and um, the, the asphalt that would be required to construct the asset. It, it starts once the asset is put into service. And so it would take into consideration things like road traffic and how that might uh, impact GHG emissions. But it, it's not capturing the impacts uh, during construction, which, uh, which we call embodied carbon emissions. Uh, we haven't gone there yet. This is an iterative process. So we're one of the first municipalities out the gate, like I referenced before. So we're learning as we develop this. Uh, we're taking this in a well thought out, transitioning into this in, in over a, a well thought out process and we're learning as we go. So right now we're starting with small steps. As we learn and we grow, we're going to add in other other elements into how we track our carbon budget, including things like uh, the embodied carbon emissions, which I just referenced there, which is, which is everything during during the construction. A much more difficult task and a lot more time and resources and assumptions and analysis required to quantify that. It sounds really complicated, Harm, I have to say. <laughs> uh, kind of like our financial budgets. And for our financial budgets, of course, we have a chief financial officer and a whole accounting team. Is the city administration making any organizational changes to support this? Are we going to have, you know, the carbon equivalent of a, of a CFO or anything like that? It's a very good point you raise. And so as, as we're learning more about this, we are learning that this is a very complex process. And in order to in order to do it right, you, you do need to have knowledge and dedicated resources to, to carry this out properly. So. Uh, once the carbon accounting is and carbon budget is up and running, uh, we will have dedicated resources for this, um, including a carbon manager that we'll be bringing on uh, at, at the city of Edmonton to kind of uh, to kind of help manage and monitor this um, uh, over the four year budget cycle. It occurs to me that with financial budgets, we have a mechanism that enforces a little bit of discipline on our council council can't run deficits. The MGA prohibits it. I don't know that the MGA quite prohibits um, running a deficit on your carbon budget quite yet. Is there any mechanism built in to, you know, capture that accountability? Or is this going to be like a lot of the climate targets that society has set in the past, where we set ambitious goals, but then when we really want that road, we kind of just build it? How, how are we going to enforce the accountability to this budget? So right now we're bringing forward the, the carbon budget and the reporting against that as, a, as an information piece to help this council make decisions on their investments. So there will be an annual reporting back mechanism, uh, most likely in the fall, where we're going to be showing council how they are towards in terms of tracking towards their carbon targets. And so I think it's, uh, it's yet to be seen how we adapt our decision making process and what kind of accountability we build into this process. It's still too new of a process to kind of figure out what exactly we're going to do 
with it in terms of accountability. But what I can say is that we'll be reporting back and there will be a lot of questions around how close we are to achieving our targets and what we can do to achieve those targets. The details of the process and accountability, I think that's going to be a part of the learning and growing process uh, with this council and with this administration to see how we move forward with that. When we talk about those financial budgets, we talk about every year, it seems, tax increases, right? So we can increase the amount of tax that we collect to help pay for uh, existing services, to maintain services, or maybe to uh, fund new things. When we talk about this carbon budget, the 135, does that already account for population growth and things like that? Or is there a, a way that that might increase over time in the in the same way that we increase taxes over time? It does It does build in some high-level assumptions over population growth, as well as uh, just growth in general GHG emissions based on our, our, our current levels. Uh, so there are assumptions that are built into there. But as you can appreciate with any type of long-term forecasting, especially with something that is that is this new to uh, to the city, those assumptions can vary. And if they vary, the targets will definitely change as well. So it's an estimate based on assumptions. As with any budget, they're, they're estimates and they're, they're subject to change over the course of the, of, of the time span here, which is 30 years. That makes sense. Okay, so we're you know, getting this accounting framework in place. It's going to help council make some decisions. We've not seen exactly what it looks like. We're still learning about it. But earlier this year, the city of Edmonton actually won a planning association award for the carbon budget, uh, congratulations! What what was that award for? What was the what what was that uh, recognizing? You know, so I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you raised that actually. So yeah, we we did receive receive a award from the American Planning Association for innovative work in, in carbon budgeting, and I think just this just goes to speak towards we are one of the first municipalities that are kind of exploring this, and that's not an easy thing to do. We don't really have any reference model. Um, or any best practice to kind of refer to. So we're kind of just, we're being pretty courageous and kind of putting ourselves out there. And I think that's essentially what this award is kind of, is for. Take Like we're taking the first shot at this. It's kind of leading edge what we're doing. And I think I think that was the basis for the award. You could say that taking a risk is the most evident thing you could do. <laughs> yes, that's very accurate. What about for the listener then? You know, when we get to the financial budget in the fall, there's of course going to be advocacy around taxes, right? There's going to be a camp of folks who don't want to increase taxes. There's going to be others who want to make sure that we maintain services, that kind of thing. Maybe just tell us about what you think the citizen's role is when it comes to carbon accounting and the carbon budget. Is is there a way that citizens can you know, help to inform those decisions of council, help to hold them accountable? What's the role of the citizen when it comes to this framework? So with any budget development process we have, we always have a, a thorough public engagement process. And there's a lot of opportunities for, for the residents of Edmonton to kind of provide their input um, into the priorities and the, and the actions that are being undertaken in the budget. So I encourage all, all citizens to, to take advantage of all of those public engagement opportunities and, and get involved in the decision-making process. We're going to have our public hearing um, in advance of the budget deliberations as well later on this fall. By that time, the proposed 23 to 26 budget will be available to the public. So they'll be able to see, residents of Edmonton will be able to see what the carbon budget actually is. Um, and some of the investments that we're putting forward to to help achieve some of those targets, and they'll be able to weigh in on those investments uh, through the through the public hearing process. With any type of budget, we're going to revisit those budgets annually, and there's also an opportunity for the residents of Edmonton to to weigh in on those uh, supplemental adjustments we do every year. Uh, we've got 18 years left before the city of Edmonton is supposed to be net zero according to our targets. 
where are we on that process and what's our roadmap to actually get there? That's a very good question. And there's, we could probably speak hours just on that. We do have our energy transition strategy and that clearly lays out the roadmap on how we think as a corporation, we can achieve our targets and it lays out uh, the strategies and the investment decisions we need to make in order to achieve those targets for 2040. So I encourage residents that are interested in carbon accounting and the energy transition strategy and the city meeting its climate targets to really dive into that document. It's been approved by our council. It's one of our leads to uh, strategy documents. So definitely something to explore uh, in order to understand our roadmap to achieving our targets by 2040. We've seen a lot of demand for things like the solar energy program. How are we going to continue to fund these programs? Because so far, we've seen a lot of pilot-esque programs. I'm thinking the e-bike rebate that was canceled after everyone filled it up in a couple of days, or this solar panel rebate program, which, you know, lasts for a couple of months, tops, and then it's full and no one else can apply. I feel like to truly hit these targets, we need to have more programs than Edmontonians know how to use. How do we get there and how do we get the funding in place to get there? So um, we have tested many of these programs and we have started pilots for a lot of these programs. And and the reason we do that is to get exactly what you're referencing here, is to get an indication of what the demand is and how many people will actually use these programs. Based on what I know, these programs are, are very popular. So I guess what I can say is when, when we do come forward in the 23 to 26 budget uh, with investment decisions on how we can impact our carbon targets, those will be some of the things we'll definitely be considering to uh, in our discussions with council. All right. I know uh, you said that there will be annual reporting on this. I'm just thinking 2040, 2050, those are pretty far away. 135 megatons is a big, big, big number. Are there any interim smaller numbers or or milestones that uh, Edmontonians might look forward to as we make progress toward those larger goals? Yes, there are interim targets. So we are we we're going to be we're aiming to be carbon neutral by 2050. Uh, working towards that by 2025, um, our target is 35% of our GHG emission reductions. And then by 2030, it's uh, 50% of, of our current GHG uh, emissions. So we're, we're going to be reducing around 50% of our GHG emissions. So, yeah, we definitely have we definitely have interim targets, 35% carbon reductions by 2025, 50% carbon reductions by 2030, and then net neutral by 2050 as a community. And just to clarify, when we're aiming for net neutral, we're still going to emit carbon in the city of Edmonton. I hear a lot of people with the argument of, you know, the sun doesn't shine for winter most of the day and it's cold. We need to heat. We're still going to use energy in the city of Edmonton. We're just going to contribute back more in other seasons. Is that the plan? Essentially, yes. Yeah. So in, by, by net neutral, we're definitely still going to be emitting GHG emissions. On a net basis, target is to be zero. So this is where you can look into things like purchase, purchasing carbon offsets or other carbon capture initiatives. Um, so that's what we mean when we say uh, uh, net neutral. We just need Elon Musk to come up with some crazy suck out of the air carbon technology and we'll be good. Easily hit those targets, Troy. Mac, keep it keep it to Twitter. That's, that's where the Elon <laughs> fanboys go. Harm, thanks so much for talking to us about this. It's added a lot of clarity. For 
the listener listening who wants to get involved, who really cares about the climate and wants to do something, what's the next step for them? How do they learn more? What should they do? Where are you going to send them next? It's a great question. And uh, for residents that are that are interested in learning more about our, our energy transition strategy and about about the carbon accounting tool, um, one of the one of the best strategy documents we have right out there as a city that we have available right now for our residents, the energy transition strategy. So I would I would highly encourage for them to go to the city of Edmonton's website and look into the energy transition strategy. As I'd mentioned, through the budget development process, we have a really robust public engagement happening right now that's going to carry on into the fall. So again, I encourage residents of, of the city of Edmonton to go to the city of Edmonton website um, and to uh, the budget website in particular to learn more about the public engagement opportunities that are, are, are available right now. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Harm, for for joining us. And as Troy said, giving us some more clarity on this, we uh, are looking forward to seeing how the carbon accounting tool rolls out. And of course, uh, how this council makes decisions in the fall uh, to help us hit that uh, that 2025 number and uh, and beyond. Thanks again for joining us. Anything else you want to plug quickly? No, thank you very much for having me. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about carbon account- accounting with the, with the residents of Edmonton. This episode is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. As you've heard us talk about before, be sure to also check out the Well Endowed podcast, which tells the stories of how those endowment funds intersect with the community. You can find that and learn more at ecfoundation.org. Coming up next week, it's the final week of Edmonton City Council, and no matter which motions live or die, we'll tell their story. Until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. I'm Harm. And we're Speaking Municipally. municipally.